The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. And a big welcome back to Juego G, a.k.a. Big Game James Shields. And a big welcome back to you here on Clubhouse Conversation. It's Davo with another edition of your dish and a real happy one, isn't it? After the Royals roll to a nice 6 to nothing victory over the Rays in game one of three at the Trop. And let's waste no time in getting right to the mean potatoes of tonight. And that was James Shields. You know, 6 nothing is a nice win, and you feel great about this one, but it's not like you feel that awesome about the offense. The Royals had some tough situations tonight. Bases loaded one out in the second, didn't score. Only got a couple in the third with base runners all over the place. They struck out nine times. But it's not like the Royals mashed the ball tonight. You know, no home runs, nothing like that. It was a quiet six runs, but we'll take it. But what was not quiet was James Shields coming back with authority tonight. Now, seven shutout innings out of James Shields, ten strikeouts, one walk, three hits, and 103 pitches. He moves to 9-4 and four with a 3-7-1 ERA. Seven shutout innings. I love the 10Ks and one walk. Absolutely fantastic out of James Shields. Was keeping the ball down consistently. The changeup was working. But what did we talk about after Shields' last start? I officially said after last start that was the first time where I was finally getting nervous and worried about James Shields. I had said that throughout his career, it was not abnormal this time of year in the June sector for him to go three to five starts where he perhaps had dead arm or just got roughed up a bit. That was not abnormal, but as we mentioned after his last start, it was going on a little bit longer than a little slump, so it became worrisome. Now, it's nice to see James Shields come right back tonight and throw up the kind of game we expect out of him. Obviously, we don't expect seven shutout innings and 10Ks every time he goes out there, but every five days, you're expecting seven innings of two or three run ball out of James Shields and a great chance for your team to win, and the Royals have been winning a fair number of his his starts this year, but you know, it wasn't because his pitching has been that fantastic and you've been watching this team day in and day out. They've just been scoring him runs, as they did again tonight, ultimately, once he went out of the game. Had a 2 nothing lead pretty much the entire night. But let's talk about Shields and why was he able to be so successful tonight. Well, we mentioned the ball down, the changeup, but what it came down to overall was the stuff looked like it had an extra spike in it, didn't it? I mean, he was putting away guys with two strikes. That's what we said. That's what we came up with is the reasoning why he was struggling for so long. You know, barring a physical ailment, which I don't think is there, especially after tonight, we said basically the only other thing about that is the stuff isn't quite there. It's not grading as well as it had been. You know, and and I didn't think it was totally mechanical because Shields had only walked two hitters or more, what, in two of his last ten starts going into this one, so the walks weren't biting him at all. It was just he wasn't putting away guys with two strikes. But tonight, Shields, check this stat out. He totally put guys away with two strikes. In fact... 13 Tampa Bay hitters had two strikes on them tonight. All 13 were retired. Shields got all 13 Tampa Bay hitters. If the count hit two strikes, didn't matter the amount of balls. If the count hit two strikes, the hitter was out tonight with James Shields. Awesome. And 10 of those 13 came on strikeouts, obviously, as well, as we talked about. You can't say enough about James Shields tonight. To come into a game like that against his old team on the road for the first time, pitching in that dome for the first time since leaving. Yeah, he faced them last year in KC, beat him then. But to go back in there when you've been struggling, facing a white-hot Tampa team, I don't care if they got in at 4.30 in the morning. It was more Shields than anything else. He was awesome tonight. So give him big credit, and that is awesome to see. I'm saying awesome a lot. I realize that now. But if Shields can 
get back to that seven inning, two or three run ball, the Royals have a damn good chance at ending their 29 year postseason drought if they can get him going, especially with some of the offensive guys such as Moustakis, who seem to be swinging the bat pretty decent now. But let's also finish off with the pitching here. Wade Davis, the other part of that trade. It was interesting, a pretty big storyline tonight. You had, you know, uh, the main cogs in that trade outside of Will Myers, the three arms, the three main arms at least. I mean, Mike, Mike Montgomery was also included, but I wouldn't call him a main part of that famous trade. I mean, you had Odorizzi versus Shields. Odorizzi was also fantastic. We'll talk about him in a second. And then you had Wade Davis coming in for a one, two, three, eight with two strikeouts. He now sports a 1.19 ERA, about a strikeout and a half per inning. But but he's not an all-star somehow. That's fine. I'm sure there's that many more pitchers better than Wade Davis. That's fine. Not an all-star. Okay, whatever. A little bitter about that. That's That, to me, was the biggest disappointment of yesterday on the all-star team was that there was no Wade Davis on that team. Scott Downs comes in for the ninth. Newly acquired Scott Downs works around a hit to throw a scoreless ninth with the strikeout. Good job by Scott Downs. It's nice that I I think if he's used correctly and if Ned will pretty much just use him, you know, seeing no more than one right-handed hitter per outing, if he just brings him out there and he's seeing two or three of the three or four hitters he faces and they're all lefties, I think he'll be fantastic out there for the Royals the second half of the season. Some of that's blind optimism, I'm aware. (laughs) <laughs> but, I mean, he, he is holding lefties to 224 on the season coming in to his time with the Royals, at least, prior to the game in Cleveland yesterday. So, offensively, I mean, defensively, defensively and pitching, the Royals were awesome tonight. Defensively, Lorenzo K made a nice catch late in the game there. And Raul Abanez did not come up with a catch earlier in the game, I believe in the fourth inning, off the bat of Longo, Evan Longoria, that either Kane or Dyson would have made the play on. No, I'm, I'm not... Picking on Raul, I'm just pointing out that the Royals will need him to swing the bat. If he's going to play left and right field, he's going to need to swing the bat because otherwise you're going to lose some defense. And if you put him out there enough, you're probably going to eventually give up a run or two that perhaps loses a game at some point. So as long as he's producing offensively, it's fine to throw him out there a couple times a week in the outfield. I'd prefer more of him, though, maybe DHing once a week, maybe playing right field once or twice a week, and then pitch hitting besides that. So Pitching-wise, defensively, great tonight for the Royals. Now, offensively, I thought they were okay, and, and and that's saying something, considering they scored six runs, I'm aware. For this team, six runs is a very nice output. But I didn't think the Royals swung the bats that well against Jake Odorizzi, but give him a lot of credit. He was really good tonight. And we talked about him coming into this game, how he'd been unlucky. His ERA was you know, low force coming in, easily could have been high threes. Six innings, two runs, six hits, eight strikeouts for Odorizzi. That's not rare. He strikes out over a hitter per inning. He's striking out a lot of guys especially the last five games now, now make that six games. His ERA is around two. He's striking out better than a, you know way over a, a guy per inning. So a nice job by Jake Odorizzi tonight. The Royals did swing out of the zone quite a bit. And like I mentioned earlier, they had that bases loaded one out in the second, did not score when Raul Abanez 1-0 pitch popped up on the infield, and then Escobar grounded at the second to end that inning. That was disappointing. The Royals did get two in the third. Felt like they could have gotten more there maybe, and that made it pretty tight for James Shields the majority of the night. But the way he was throwing tonight, did you really ever think the Royals were going to lose? Once he got through the one inning, which I believe was the fourth inning when Tampa had a couple guys on base, once he got through that inning, scoreless, I pretty much knew the Royals were going to win this game tonight. Six runs, 14 hits, no errors, 0-4-1 for Tampa. Offensively, give big nights you know, for Alex Gordon and Omar Infante. Let's circle that and point that out. Both had the same line of, Three for five with a run and two RBIs. Nice job for Alex and Omar. See that day off for Alex? Maybe it helped yesterday. A lot of people were criticizing Ned Yost for giving him the day off. I mean, you got to play your bench. These guys can't play 162. The majority of them can't even play 150. 
Infante can't even play 130. So, I mean, you got to get the backups in there some. Speaking of Infante, I'm sure Christian Colon will probably play one of the next two games. I would guess tomorrow. We'll see what happens. Two hits apiece for Kane and Hosmer tonight as well. Billy Butler moves down to seventh. Another small thing to talk about. Actually, probably more than small, considering the bickering that seems to be going on back and forth between Ned Yost and Billy Butler to the media, which is too bad. There's a nice article that Sam Mellinger wrote in the KC Star that I encourage you to check out, where he basically says what we've been saying here in Clubhouse Conversation, the end is pretty much near. We all know that the end of the season, if not before, is the end of Billy Butler in Kansas City, and you don't want to see it end in a negative fashion. So hopefully Billy Butler can start hitting. You know... I still think this team's probably in trouble if he doesn't, unless they're going to go out and get a bat before the deadline. If they do that, they'll DFA him or include him as part of that trade. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the Royals are pretty much going with what they have. I still think they'll make one trade. I think they'll bring in a utility infielder maybe still. But maybe not, though, because Christian, if Christian Colon could continue to show some range like he did yesterday and swing the bat at a decent clip, you may not need to make any more moves. I mean, this team may be pretty much what it is, barring injury, heading into the trade deadline. So... The matchup tomorrow is new now, and I, I like it even more tomorrow now. Jason Vargas against Jeremy Hellickson. Jeremy Hellickson making his first start of 2014 for Tampa. How is he only 26 years old, by the way? Seems like he's been around a lot longer than that. Seems like he should be more like about 29 or 30 by now. But 26-year-old right-hander Jeremy Hellickson making his MLB debut for 2014. And I like the Royals' chances tomorrow. Check this out. Six minor league starts for Hellickson this year, six minor league starts. He's a 6-2-3 ERA, and that's a decent sample size. I mean, six minor league outings, you would expect more than that from a guy who's going to start in the major leagues who you consider to be right. I mean, Bruce Chen had similar numbers in his rehab assignment. I believe his was like a 7-8 maybe in his rehab. I think he only had, what, three starts? Was it three or four starts? Either way, it's not real encouraging for Tampa Bay throwing out a guy out there with a whip of 2.12 in the minor leagues this year. 40 hits allowed in 21 and two-thirds in six different appearances for Jeremy Hellickson. So you would expect him, knowing that, six starts, 21 innings. You would assume he's going five innings tomorrow, and that's it. Because he's averaging three and a half innings per appearance in the minor leagues. They're going to go slow with him. The Royals need to blow this game open tomorrow. They got Jason Vargas. They need to win this game tomorrow, period. Needs to be done. You win that game tomorrow, you guarantee yourself a good road trip. You win the season series against Tampa. And then you have a chance for a great road trip by sweeping on Wednesday when you have... A tougher game. I mean, you're, you're, you're Dona Ventura. I'm stuttering. You're Dona Ventura against Alex Cobb on Wednesday. Cobb 4 and 6 with a 4 2 8. Solid pitcher. Tough changeup. He's going to be, you know, a challenge for sure. So you want to win that game tomorrow. You've got a big edge tomorrow and a slight edge coming up on Wednesday with Ventura against Cobb. Royals get a win tomorrow, and I'm feeling really, really good about this road trip and where they are heading into Detroit this weekend. I mean, really, if the Royals split the next two, they're going to, at worst, come home four and a half games out of first with a chance to really put a dent going into the All-Star break. Now, if the Royals can split the next two, and let's assume that the, the Tigers probably will split with the Dodgers, I'm assuming is a pretty fair bet. Both of those things are probably pretty pretty good bets. Probably the Royals will split the next two. Probably Detroit will split the two with the Dodgers. If that happens, well, the Royals come home right where they're at, four and a half out. They win the next two, they're probably three and a half out. And a three out of four against Detroit, you know, you're gaining two games. So if you're four and a half out, you take three out of four. You're two and a half back. If you're three and a half out and take three out of four, you're a game and a half back. So the Royals 
have a great chance they're going to miss Max Scherzer looking ahead to that Detroit series, which is good. The one I'm most scared of is obviously Anibal Sanchez. He seems to just have the Royals number, period. But if you mix, you know, miss Max Scherzer, that's a good thing. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. we got two games left against Tampa Bay. But my point being, if the Royals split the next two and win three out of four against the Tigers, they're going to be within two and a half games. Worst case at the All-Star break. If the Royals went out this week, they're guaranteed first place. <laughs> of course, a lot of things could happen. You know, if I win the lottery, I'm guaranteed a million dollars, too. But, you know, if the Royals do win out this week, they will be in first place going into the All-Star break. So it'll be a good week to get hot. And they started it off the right way tonight against Tampa. No, I'm not predicting the Royals are going to win out this week. But uh, as I said yesterday, I think 5-2 and two is definitely the goal. Make that 4-2 and two now as the Royals get game one in Tampa. We'll have it again tomorrow night for you here on Clubhouse Conversation. By the way, I hope you were able to check out the interview we did with Nick Stevenson this morning. We published that. You can stream it from the website here, clubhouseconversation.com. As always, you can download it to your smartphone, your tablet, whatever device you have. Take it with you. Nick Stevenson is a kid who was kind of a non-prospect, had an 8.15 ERA for the B-Royals in the Appy League last year, and then this year added over 10 miles an hour to his pitching repertoire through weighted ball workouts, the Steve Delabar stuff that's been getting more and more you know, credibility as more guys continue to add velocity to it. A lot of Royals guys will probably be doing that going into this offseason from the grumblings I hear, the minor league guys. So that's good to see some instant results from Nick Stevenson, who's got an ERA south of one. There his first few outings there with the Burlington Royals. We talked with him this morning. It's a very nice kid, very cool kid. I hope you can check that out here in Clubhouse Conversation. We'll also be publishing... Another interview with a former Royal here on Wednesday and got some pretty big names some pretty heavy hitters coming up for you the next couple of weeks as well here on the newest and hopefully the fastest growing place to talk and listen to Royals on the Nets Clubhouse Conversation.